Welcome to the Indian Newsling Podcast. We have with us this afternoon Malika Janikaraman, founder, director of Vahini Charitable Trust, a registered nutritionist, a community worker, and a person with amazing and inspiring compassion towards communities. Mr. Janikaraman, welcome to this program. Please tell us about Vahini Trust, what it does, why it was established. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, what Vahini does is, the name Vahini is women in Maori. Uh, interestingly, it also is the name women in Indian, it's Vahini, it's spelled with a V. And uh, what we realized in New Zealand, especially during COVID, there was a need to fit to purpose some community work. Uh, because women uh, during COVID didn't get any extra help, especially during the first thousand days of life. Right. Uh, that is when they are pregnant to the second year of the child. And the critical years were when they were delivering a baby, there was so much of restrictions no parent support. Most of them were first-time moms. And so to handle that sort of a crisis was very difficult. So we realized, what do they need most? And maybe a balanced, hot, homemade food in the first few days after they come out from the hospital. And it was a fit to purpose at that point of time. And Vahini was founded as uh, um, to inspire the well-being of women. And a little background to it is uh, when I was in the US uh, and my grandson was born, I actually had the ability to go to this new moms group. And I found that even in a country as advanced and as uh, uh, elaborate as serve food service is very good there. They get, you can get any cuisine from anywhere, but the lack of knowledge, the clutter of right. information was too much. So we said maybe there's a need to combine uh, good information, the right information with the right service so that it sort of inspires women uh, for their well-being at the time they need most and also inspire other women to contribute to this When cause. did you start and can you tell us how many people have benefited through this program of 1000 days? Uh, Vahini Charitable Trust was founded in October 2021 um, and uh, we started as a small trustee with uh, absolutely little or no funding. Right. And then we had volunteers and we set up an advisory group uh, and we have about 10 women now who okay. are from very different, different skill sets, very established women by their own rights, uh, very senior in their own profession, but finding the time uh, to be part of it. So the only qualification that they came on board was their passion, their passion to serve and the purpose that they were. So who on. makes the food and how is it? How do you identify those who are in need? Do they contact you? Yes, we have, we do a lot of social media advertising right. and uh, word of mouth, of course. And uh, so one mother has benefited from us. She tells another mother when she's delivering. And we've got an online system uh, and we have a flyer uh, which tells them what they can expect, uh, how many days the food is given for. We started with 10 days of free food, uh, balanced meal, where 50% of the requirement of vegetables were given every day, uh -huh. and 50% of lentils, purely vegetarian, completely free of cost, but they have to pick up. Uh, and that is the only uh, condition. Pick up from? 
wherever the volunteers are. So okay. we we have about now we have about six volunteers. So they spread all over the city. It is. Okay. It is. So we find ways in which we can get, but in some very very uh, unique conditions where the woman has just delivered. It's a C-section. Right. Uh, she has a second child. Husband has work to do. Then women, the volunteers, make an exception to go and deliver. Okay. But this is something which we found coming naturally to our volunteers. Uh, they are women with a heart and a soul, so they always say, "No, we will go and deliver it." So we had two cases of cesarean where they really needed very critical, and women went out of the way. How to is it that? How is this funded? I, is the government or any other uh, organization funding this, or is it coming out of uh, your own fund, personal finances? Uh, it started with no funding, and even now we didn't have much funding. Uh, it was done by our own uh, thing. The volunteers. Volunteers. We had a small opportunity for women entrepreneurs who wanted to cook, but we said we'll give you ten dollars per meal to just take care of the ingredients right. and not for the labor cost. And most women would enroll, and then they say, "No, we don't want a penny because we feel so satisfied doing this." So they've actually, till date, not a single person has taken any money. It's remarkable. They're How many uh, families or individuals would have been benefited since 2021? In New Zealand, the numbers are not large, but we have done about 20 moms so far. That's good. Uh, I mean, that means you have seen through the progress of 20 families. Families, yes. For yes. for 1,000 days. For, not for 1,000 days, for five days. Uh, so it's about 10 meals for each mom. So about 200 meals so far. Oh. And since we have not sort of advertised too much uh, without without a funding, and also the capability of giving them food or picking up. So whenever there is a demand, we never say no. Whenever there's an ask, we never say no. We find a way to deliver, the, make the food for them. Is it right for us to assume that this is one of a kind service, or do you know? of any other organization which provides a similar i'm not talking about people who give away free food but something which is specifically tailored to expectant mums or mums that were delivered uh, from an organizational point of view from an ngo or a non-profit i think we may be one of the, the only few one right or the only one there are people who are friendly neighbors who would prepare for food and give it to them but from a community organizational point of view we may be so obviously uh, newborn babies and uh, new mothers so to say even if they are uh, second or third child they are still new mothers uh, most of them are of indian origin whom you service or we look at indian origin primarily they are but we also want to cater to the uh, indian subcontinent which could be sri lankans bangladeshis nepalis but we've not gone into that yet but if there is an ask from anybody it need not be so restricted when there's a need and if they come to us we definitely so these beneficiaries are of they are they of a certain income group like lower income group or middle income group are are they come, do they come from well off families a very good question very good question i think this is a said it's fit for purpose so economy doesn't count at all they can be very rich they can be very poor right. they need it at that hour and so we give it to them and uh, sometimes they come back to us after the 5 days 10 days okay can we give you some provisions and we say no not at this stage when we establish ourselves if there's a need we'll come back to so so everybody has come back to say they'll help us or fund us or maybe make a small contribution but till date we have not taken anything from anybody so it's very noble of so mrs janikram and the thing is lot of 
um, discussion, public discussion has been taking place about undernourishment in New Zealand, especially children. There are complaints that children go to school without taking breakfast or they skip lunch for whatever reason. It could be economic reason or it could be the family background. You have made a beginning of providing good nutritious food to new mothers and their children. What can be done to expand this service uh, A to more mothers who have delivered children and B to see whether this can have a rippling effect of enabling children to become more well-nourished? Um, uh, a very, very good question again because uh, nutrition is infinite. It just goes on. It's every day. It's not you do right. once and then you forget. And um, we, in India, one out of two children are undernourished or uh, low for uh, weight or height. Uh, and that is something that will be reflected even in the immigrant population. Another deficiency is iron deficiency, which is a nutrient deficiency. Yeah, you and did a seminar conference seminar on that. Seminar recently yeah. on that. And I think I'm very, we are very passionate and I definitely very passionate about iron because it affects productivity economically and human sustainability. And therefore, it has more, um, uh, you know, unknown than the knowns for iron. And it has to be very personalized for the immigrant population. Uh, so f there are so many things you can do in nutrition and funding will always be an issue, the resources will be issues. But uh, if we can get together as community groups, uh, I think it's, it's a very, very relevant, uh, a good cause and doable. Uh, giving food for even 10 mothers, volunteers are so willing uh, and if we can motivate it them. It is indeed. I mean, this is why we feel that if a small group like yours can bring in so much of difference to families. You are saying 20 families, which is 20 growing families. Yes. Uh, with the proper support and assistance, including perhaps financial support that you can get from other organizations or the government, you could do much more. That leads me to one other question. You are a registered nutritionist. Do you think in New Zealand, young people are eating nutritious food or if they are not eating nutritious food what what should they be eating um, there are a lot of surveys but we don't have much surveys specific to the Indian um, diaspora uh, like for example there is a, a survey done on the knowledge of iron nutrition and we found that the knowledge is definitely not there. What they can have, what they cannot have, how can they improve their iron status. So the, uh, the one of the things that Indian migration, Indian diaspora is a huge population by itself. I think out of the 250,000 uh, Indians that we have, uh, we would be a great contributor to the economy as well as the human sustainability if the nutritional data is specified um, it's also very specific to our uh, so is it, it is fair is it fair to assume that our children need better nourished food absolutely, absolutely. and uh, or no matter how many restaurants we have take away um, the knowledge of proper nutrition is still not properly dispensed towards our communities 
I think generally it is not uh, well dispensed or there's no appetite to listen to it because nutrition is something far out for every individual's day-to-day uh, -day, uh, aspiration. So why don't you come and tell us from, from time to time um, what is good nutritious food, how to prepare it because maybe you, you get all of them are available. It's also in the preparation of nutritious food and you led the a campaign about iron deficiency and you had a week-long program which was highly successful. Um, I don't know to what extent it helped people to gain information. Maybe you could uh, do it on a continuous basis. Yes, uh, the iron one is going to be a yearly one and it will also be in uh, a couple of other uh, cities, maybe Wellington at uh, some stage. But not restricting ourselves just to iron, as you said, total nutrition. And you hit a very good point. Uh, nutrition is a very uh, difficult topic to motivate behavior change. Mm. Uh, even at home, uh, being a registered nutritionist, there are very few takers even at home. You have to aspire them, you have to inspire them. And one of the best ways to do is cooking. If you can show them recipes, show them solutions, right. then you're really, really giving them that aspiration to do it. So we're looking at doing a cooking show uh, with chefs because chefs have the culinary skills to do mm -hmm. it well and as nutritionists we can bring that value add and uh, tried one or two of those and uh, definitely we are trying to look at some recipes that are there for the first thousand days of life and I say this first thousand days repeatedly because it is the critical window of opportunity for physical, mental, social and economic development for the family as well as for the child. You miss that opportunity, you never get it again. Another statistics is the, the growth rate. We always think people grow most during adolescent ages, but the, the, num the extent of growth, the velocity of growth during the first thousand days, as is zero to one, two years, the second birthday of the child is much more. They gain about 22 kilograms per day, whereas when they are in the adolescent age group, it's much lesser. Oh, so see. this first window of opportunity cannot be missed. It's like an exam. You cannot mince the first trimester to get make up for the second trimester or the, the third semester. So it's very, very important. And it's very, uh, it has to be repeatedly said, repeatedly shown, and repeatedly done because it's not going to go away with one shot. It has to be multi-shots, multi-channeled, and multi-messaging for one goal. I think um, you must uh, try and um inculcate better nutritional habits because uh, we time and again we hear from various sources that people are getting addicted to junk food people are getting addicted to fast food which will be harmful in the long run especially for the people who are young at age and uh, Indian culinary art has enough to provide ample nutrition perhaps you could take this as uh, as one of your uh, uh, campaigns, if you like, and then provide our readers and listeners from time to time how to have nutritious food, which in turn will avoid a lot of other physical problems, ailments. The tips and tricks of uh, culinary cuisine, right. adding nutrition value. It's a, it's a great thing, very interested. Um, uh, and we need to do it consistently. I think that's the thing. And how do you motivate people? And I come back to that point. Having been a nutritionist for the 40 years, I think my best experience has been in a corporate world where we were thinking of communication, 
programs and engagements that actually uh, um, make people at least change a bit. Even a small change is a big change. And one of the things that we used to do is actually talk to the media first, right. you know, and actually make them go through the journey themselves, mm. as not as writers or editors, but ask them to go through the journey of nutrition, take their height, take their weight, take their BP, and then look at what they eat and give them an alternative, not taking away what they eat, because that's the worst thing that one can do is saying, what you've done is wrong, what you're eating is wrong. You cannot ever do that to any individual. So what we do is we see what they do, and then they say, for example, I have three parathas. Okay, can you do two parathas instead of three? Or uh, you can say, maybe you have something which is low fat, Pulkas, and maybe the last one can be a paratha because the mind plays much more havoc than the body. So the moment right. you're mm -hmm. deprived of a good food, which you think is good food, the perceived loss is much more than the real gain. So we have to make you understand. So that's how you have to uh, influence the influencers mm -hmm. and uh, very clearly Indian, the Indian diaspora should have a very specialized niche place in research, in policy, in programs. And the nutritional guidelines are so different in New Zealand compared to the nutritional guidelines in India. Uh, if I come back to my favorite topic of iron, we need about 28 milligrams as a woman per day, whereas in New Zealand it would be about 18 or 19 if I remember correct. But mm, anyway, okay. that's the difference. The difference is we have non-veg, we eat meat, red meat here, whereas in Indians predominantly we are vegetarian. Indians have more tea or coffee every time as an inhibitor right. than we do it here. So these are the different factors. So when they come to New Zealand, what is it that they need to look at? What is it that they need to change? And what is it that they need to understand? And understand where they should go for these support services. And every new registered nutritionist, Indian nutritionists who are registered here, could be a great source of support for them to understand the cultural sensitivity and bridge the gap between the home they've left and the home they've come to and therefore making nutrition much more easier. I think um, uh, the one, one short session with you is not enough because you have so much knowledge and so much information to share and make our communities better uh, because not only better informed but also better nourished we have a passion to make our readers and our people, our communities, lead healthy lives and also nutritious lives. Perhaps we could have you on a regular basis uh, talking to uh, our readers and listeners. And finally, Mrs. Janik Raman, thank you for coming. Please give us a final statement about what you would like to do for the community through this medium of Indian Muslim. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, as an individual, as an organization, I think we'd love to do what we can to leave a legacy behind. I think that's the most important. And maybe if we can inspire as many moms to be the gatekeeper for her health, for herself, for her whānau, the family, or for the community, I think we've done the job. It's a continuous, as I said, miles to go before we sleep. Uh, but the more the merrier, so we don't restrict ourselves uh, by anything. We just need people on board, passion, and uh, we've started well and very sure. I'm sure you'll get uh, more and more people joining you because it's, it's uh, not only a worthy cause, but it's something that has to be spread widely as well. Thank you very much for Thanks. being with us this afternoon. 
and we look forward to meeting you again thank you sir thank you for listening to the indian newslink podcast